How you doing, St. Mark? So because I'm kind of new around here, I wanted to give you a little bit of a chance to get to know me. So I've come up with three fun facts that I'm going to tell you about myself. Fun fact number one, my favorite food in the entire world are blueberry pancakes. I will eat them morning, noon, and night. I absolutely love blueberry pancakes. And I love to visit my parents in Maine because, well, one, they're my parents. And also, I love getting fresh Maine blueberries and fresh Maine maple syrup to use for pancakes. It is so good. So if you ever want to go get blueberry pancakes, let me know. I'm your guy. Second fun fact about me is that my favorite book series in the entire world are the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I love those books. I love The Hobbit as well. Those are my favorite books. And also, my favorite movie happens to be the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Not so much the Hobbit movies. I don't really like those movies. So if you're a big Hobbit movie fan, don't worry. We can talk it out. It's all right. Third fun fact about me, and this one is less of a fun fact and actually more of a confession, but that is that I am a huge Boston Red Sox fan. I absolutely love Red Sox baseball. It is my favorite thing. And I used to love watching the games as a kid. I have a Red Sox ball cap in my office still. It sits right next to my stuffed Maine lobster, of course. And I know that's a little bit of a dangerous thing to say down here in Houston Astros territory, but I can't help it. They are my favorite team. And my favorite thing about them, though, is their ballpark, Fenway Park. I absolutely love Fenway Park. And I actually got to take a tour of Fenway Park, sixth grade, and I got to see all these plaques in the hallways of all these famous Red Sox players. I got to go see where Ted Williams hit a 502-foot home run into right field, and there's a red chair that marks where it was because that was the longest home run in Fenway Park history, and it still is. And I got to see the Green Monster, which is this 37-foot, 2-inch, huge wall in left field. And it's frustrating to hitters because they'll come to Fenway Park and they'll hit a ball off the Green Monster and they'll only get like a double out of it. But anywhere else, that would be a home run. And one of my favorite players, David Ortiz, or as I like to call him, Big Poppy, he would just slam home runs out of the ballpark, over that green monster, out of the field, into the parking lot that was outside the stadium. I used to love watching that. And I also got to see the spot where my favorite commentators, Don Orsillo and Jerry Remy, called the game from the press box. And I got to wave at manager at the time, Terry Francona, who helped the Red Sox win after 86 years of losing and not getting World Series titles. They won in 2004 when I was nine. I was super excited about that and super excited to see him in person. And I was just captivated by all these things and all these sights that I got to see. And I was listening to everything that the tour guide said. And when I was a kid, I would also sit in front of the TV and just be captivated by the actual game. And everything would be going on around me. I wouldn't be focused on any of it. I would just be focused on the Red Sox. And maybe as a sports fan, you've had that experience before, that one player, that one team, or that one place that just captivates you. And you don't pay attention to anything else that's going on. Or maybe if you're not a sports fan and you're also like me, you sat down one day to watch some Netflix show is new, so you figured might as well try it. And you sat down and watched that first episode. Next thing you know, you're five episodes in. It's five hours later. The sun was up before, and now it's completely dark outside. And you are realizing that you just ate a very, very, very large amount of popcorn. Or if you're anything like me and my wife, a whole pint of ice cream like we did just last week. 
But it's funny how we get just captivated by these things so we don't notice anything else going on. We can get captivated too by technology, phones, and especially these Amazon Alexas. I love using those to turn lights on and off or to play really obnoxious music in the other room where my wife is to annoy her. That's really fun. I also, you can also be captive, captivated by things such as social media, how many likes you can get on Instagram posts or how aesthetic your Instagram page is. You can be captivated by the news and the politics that are going on all over the world. And you can be captivated by that shiny new car that you always wanted or that dream house you've always dreamt of. We can be captivated by a lot. And the problem with being captivated by something is that when you get too close to it, you can become captive to it. If that is your sole focus and it's taking the place of other things in your life, then you can be captive to these things. And the one thing that I know that we are all captive to is sin. Now, I know you're like, okay, okay, Vicar. But it's true. Think about it. You can't escape sin. It's always with you. I mean, from a young age, look at what God says to Noah after the flood, and Noah prom or God promises to Noah that he's never going to flood the earth again. Look what God says to him. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. So from little kids, we're sinful. We can't escape sin. We can't get away from it. In fact, we go towards it because we want it. We want that which we can't do or aren't supposed to do. And just like we can't escape death, you can't escape sin. You can't cheat death. You can't get away from it. You're stuck. And just like we can't escape the temptations of Satan, he's always going to tempt you. You cannot escape it. You're a captive to these things. You can also be captive to the culture, though, around you. I mean, go back to your middle school and high school days when you just wanted to be a part of the cool kids. You just wanted to fit in with a certain group or have this certain person as your friend. You would do a lot to be friends with that person. And you might succumb to peer pressure. You might do things that you wouldn't normally do just to get what you wanted. You can be captive to the culture around you. You can just go along with the crowd. And we like to think those years are way behind us. But even as adults, you can become captive to the culture. I mean, think about it. If everyone else around you is moving in before getting married or watching pornography or lying or stealing or talking bad about other people, gossiping behind each other's backs. If everyone on the freeway has the right to honk, to yell, to swear, and to flip off the people around them because everyone else is a bad driver, why shouldn't I do that? What's stopping me from doing that? I mean, I know I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm just following the culture. I'm just following everybody else. And it's so easy to fall into this trap of being captive to the culture and what other people think. And like Pastor Matt said a couple weeks ago, we can become captive to even ideas of what Christianity is. That you have to vote a certain way, that you have to have certain political leanings, that you have to believe certain things or act a certain way or even look a certain way to be Christian. For you and I, it is so easy to be captive to that culture as well. And that's actually the same problem that the Galatians were having in our epistle. The Galatians were following what these Jewish Christians were telling them to do. 
they were telling them that it wasn't just enough to have Jesus to be saved. You also had to wear the right things, to say the right things. You had to be circumcised. You had to celebrate certain festivals. What does Paul say to them? Paul says in Galatians 3, verse 23 and 24, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. So Paul says to these Galatians who are hearing all this, Jesus plus, Jesus plus your works, Jesus plus these things that you got to do. Paul says to them, that's not true. That's not gospel. Instead, gospel is Jesus coming to free you from your captivity to all these things of the world. Jesus came and lived a perfect life because he knew you couldn't. Jesus came and died and rose again, defeating death because you can't. Jesus came and successfully resisted temptation from the devil because you and I do that every day. We fall to temptation. But Paul says more. Paul also says in verse 27 of Galatians 3, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So these cultural barriers, these differences that we use to distance ourselves from some people or make ourselves closer to other people, Jesus does away with those because he gives you a new identity. And that is one of a baptized child of Christ. You are brought in to his family when you receive the mark of God upon your forehead and upon your heart and you are made new in baptism. You are brought into this new family called the church, God's family. And you are free from what other people say about you, what other people tell you you have to do. You are free from sin, death, and the devil. You are free from these things. You are free to follow Jesus. But don't hear what Paul's not saying. What Paul is not saying is that you get rid of the law completely. See, what we tend to do in our Lutheran circles, we see law bad, gospel good. And that's not how it works. Law is God's word. It's God's gift to us. And when I say law, I don't mean all these things that the Jewish Christians are telling them to do, to, are telling the Galatians to do, because that's what Paul means when he says law. But law is not a bad thing. Law are the Ten Commandments and what Jesus teaches throughout his ministry and tells and instructs me and you to do. And that's a good thing. And this law even acts as a guardian. That's what Paul says. And now what Paul means by that is in Greek culture during that time, which the Galatians would have been a part of, a guardian was this older slave who would take the young boy of the house and make sure he got safely to his teachers, to his school, and then made sure he got safely home again, that he would follow the path and that he would get there safely and get back safely. He wouldn't go this way or that way from the path. That's what the law is for us. It's God's will for your life. So that you wouldn't go this way into sin or that way into sin, but that you would stay on a good path, the one God intended for you to stay on. 
And that's what the law is for us. And these guardians would also make sure that the boys would grow up to be good, righteous men. And that's what the law is for us, to make sure we stay on the path and that we live as God intended us to do. That doesn't mean we're going to stay on the path all the time. I mean, obviously, we still deal with sin this way and sin that way. And nothing's going to be perfect if we stay on the path. We're still going to have sin and suffering, even if we do everything right, because that's the way the world works. But generally, if you stay on this path, then things are going to go better for you than if you didn't, than you're, if you were off here into sin. But this, the law isn't just a moral code. It's not just a moral teaching in order to live a good life according to God. The law also serves another function. This guardian points you to something bigger because you know what? Obviously, you and I know you can't stay on this path. You can't do everything perfectly because you and I are sinners like we talked about. And when you look at yourself and you see your sin, the law points you somewhere else. The law points you to someone who fulfilled the law. The guardian points you to the Savior. That is Jesus Christ. Because what does Jesus say? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus came that he might stay on the path, that he would fulfill the law for you. And that's where the law points you. When you realize you can't do it on your own, the law points you to Jesus Christ. Because we don't need Jesus plus. We need Jesus. Because he's the only one who can take you and put you in a right relationship with God by putting himself on the cross. That is what Jesus does for you. He puts you in a right relationship with God. That you would be able to have this gift of the Holy Spirit that you received in your baptism. That you would have that. That you would be a better follower of Jesus Christ. Not perfect, but better. That the Holy Spirit would help you to do that. To more perfectly follow this law and these teachings of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is the only one who can put you in that right relationship with God. You cannot do it on your own. And along with that, Jesus helps you to become a better follower of him each and every day. And by following his law and the teachings and digging into God's word, you can do that but only by the help of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, this life isn't going to be good once that happens. You and I know that. It's going to be bad. It's full of suffering and sin. But it points you to the greater reality that you are part of the church, that you are part of Jesus' new creation, that you are broken free of your shackles and your captivity to sin, death, and the devil, and all the other things of this world, that you would have new life and be a new, perfected creation when Jesus returns. And that's what you hope for. That's what you and I 
hope for and wait for. When we get to enter that new creation and you get to be in the full presence of God in Jesus' liberating love and it fully perfects you. And God the Father himself will wipe away every tear from your eye. And there's going to be no more pain and no more suffering because you are with Jesus. And that is sweeter than any freedom that you and I could ever think of. To be captive to Jesus alone, that's better than anything we could ever hope for or do for ourselves here on earth. Just like I was captivated by a building where a game is played, and the game is a man hitting a ball with a stick. <laughs> I was captivated by that. Imagine how more infinitely captivated you and I will be when we're with our Father and Jesus Christ in heaven. It will be infinitely better than any sort of Red Sox game or anything else you could have on this earth. I have a challenge for you during this week. And that challenge is to go ahead and think about things that you feel like you're captive to in your life, things that take the place of Jesus and loving your neighbor and what Jesus instructs you to do. Think about those things. Maybe it's impatience or short temper. I mean, for me, that's what it is for me today. That's what I thought about. But think about different things and either write them down as notes or just remember them. And then when you think about those things, I want you to say this prayer with me. And it's going to come up on the screen. It's going to be full screen. So that way you can come back and hit pause and you can watch this video later. And you can say this prayer when you think about those things. And the prayer is going to go like this. Jesus, you have freed me from my captivity to impatience, to short temper, even though I still struggle to live into this freedom because of my weakness, you still forgive me of all my sin. Let the Holy Spirit guide me to be a better follower of you and remind me of your liberating love when I fail. Come soon, Jesus, so that I can be with you forever. Amen. And after you say that prayer or something similar that comes into your heart, Go and look at God's word. Look at what he says in order to be a better follower of Jesus for that specific thing that you were thinking about. And if you want to keep this conversation going, feel free to contact me, and I would be happy to do that.